Grab a seat. Grab a seat. And welcome to week two of Breathe Again. Yeah, which is our series on prayer. So one of the things, again, some, some relatively new folks, um, I just want to kind of remind and, and renew in this idea of, so we're doing kind of a small group style. Um, several things, I know there's a lot of paperwork in your chair. Um, one of them is a guest card. If you haven't filled it out, please do, and just leave it in your seat, um, and we'll come get it. The second thing is this. Um, I just have kind of been studying... Um, with prayer and kind of studying the Lord's Prayer, and I just kind of nerded out a little bit on my computer and typed up some notes, and I was like, you know, th- this might be helpful for you guys to have as like a reminder or something to just kind of make fun of, and like, wow, he's just so off on this, and that's okay, um, but it's yours to keep, so fold it up, put it in your Bible, throw it away, whatever you want to do, just not in front of me, please, like help me out a little bit, um, but anyway, so it's just some notes from tonight, and we're actually going to go beyond the notes, I think, um, so anyway, our, our series right now is called Breathe Again, and, and the reason I, we decided to call it that is prayer for the Christian is a lot like breathing. It's this idea of we have to or we won't survive. Does that make sense? We have to uh, or we won't survive. And, and we, I, I took this poll last week, but it's a lot of, there's a lot of you guys who weren't here last week, so I want to take this poll again. Um, how many of you, just slip the hand up, how many of you um, wish your prayer life was better? Is that right? Fair way to say? Yeah, 10 out of 10, right? There, there's never, um, I have never met anyone who's just said, man, I am killing it in my prayer life. Like, I think I'm praying too much. You know what I mean? Like, no one has ever said that to me. Like, the one thing I don't need to improve on, Ryan, is prayer. We all do. We all, all of our prayer lives are, are a bit dismal, if we can be honest. A little SAT word for you guys there. Um, they're, they're just not that good, right? They're just not. Uh, and so, one of the things that I want to try to do is, is help you guys with that and, and really help myself. Um, and so in studying this, um, finding ways to help you guys in your prayer life. So one of the things we like to do is recommend different resources, okay? So these first two we recommended last week, but just to catch up, the first one is a book by Tim Keller called Prayer. Guess what it's about? Um, so again, it's Tim Keller. It's called Prayer. Tim does such a good job of just making it accessible and helpful. Um, I think it's called Prayer, Experiencing Awe and Intimacy with God. So again, spring break's coming up. I know you know, lounging on the beach, right, reading a book on prayer. It'll be perfect, right? Great conversation starter, mm, okay? Um, the, the next one is, uh, so this is How to Pray by Tim Keller. And the reason, <clears throat> excuse me, the reason I put this up, this is a, a YouTube video. It's just a sermon. It's like 40 minutes long right in there. Um, awesome, awesome sermon. You know, the book, obviously, you have to pay for You have to wait for it to get here. The YouTube clip, you can just find it as soon as you get home, right? And Tim just does such a good job of kind of laying out pieces of the Lord's Prayer, and in that helps us with our own prayer life. Does that make sense? Okay. Have you seen this before, Kristen? There's like some excessive... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tremendous. Yeah, I joined the club. Tim is Tim Keller is, is absolutely... Tim, like I know him. Uh, t- you know Tim. Uh, Tim Keller, just phenomenal teacher. And then the last resource, this is a new one for tonight, uh, it's called A Praying Life by Paul Miller. So, um, again, another book just for you to check out. Both of those are around 10 to 12 bucks on Amazon. But it's, so just to kind of go back, Prayer by Tim Keller, um, a book, How to Pray by Tim Keller, which is a YouTube video, and then A Praying Life by a guy named Paul Miller, which is another one. So, again, you know, you guys give me for like 20, 25 minutes. You get the band for a little while longer, and then 
you're, you're in the wind. But a book, it waits to be read as long as you need it to, right? So it's awesome. So what we're going to do, if you, if you will do me the courtesy and turn to Matthew chapter 6. Um, oh, by the way, I have a prayer by Tim Keller is over here somewhere. And then a praying life by Paul Miller is right here if you want to take a look at it after the, after the service and just kind of flip through it. Um, we're in Matthew chapter 6. Now, here's why we're there. Um, this is the Lord's Prayer. And I think what, what, what Christ is doing here is he's teaching his disciples how to pray, right? And as he teaches the disciples how to pray, I think it will in turn help our prayer life as we walk through the Lord's Prayer. Does that make sense? So we started the Lord's Prayer last week. We'll do a little bit of review. We'll finish that this week, and then we'll close out our series on prayer next week, okay? So, and I'm really excited. So I'm just going to tell you this series after that is going to be on dating and singleness and relationships, okay? So keep that in mind, right? Bring, like, bring your dating friends. Bring your single friends who are like, oh, like, it's okay. We get it. Like, bring your single friends. That's okay, too. Um, everybody will be awesome, okay? But Let's talk about prayer first, right? Um, by the way, I know I say it all the time, but we have Bibles and pens over here as well, so feel free. Don't worry if you need to go and grab one of those. It's okay. And then we should have the Bible up on the board as well. So we're in Matthew chapter 6. This is the Lord's Prayer. Uh, the Lord's Prayer is also in Luke chapter 11, just, just FYI, if you're taking notes or anything like that. Those are the two places in Scripture where we find it. Um, Christ is teaching his disciples to pray. So... Um, I'll read a little bit, and then we'll talk. So we'll do some review from last week first, and then we'll cover the rest of the prayer. Okay? Make sense? Here we go. Um, verse 9 of Matthew chapter 6. Pray then this way. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Um, quick note, uh, and it's in brackets in my Bible, but in the Lord's Prayer, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. It's not actually part of the original Lord's Prayer. Don't freak out. Okay, everybody, we're all, we're all okay. Um, it's just, it was added later. And if you, like, remember I told you it's in Luke 11 as well. In Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer, that's not in there, for thine is the kingdom and the power, because it just, it wasn't part of the original Lord's Prayer. It was added later. That's not a big deal. That's okay. You know, if you say it, it's not no, you're not in trouble. Okay, does that make sense? Um, so just keep that in mind. Uh, and don't, like when you're doing the Lord's Prayer in college with a group of friends, don't in your mind be like, oh, that's not part of the Lord's Prayer. Like don't be that, that person, okay? Not that you guys do the Lord's Prayer in groups a lot, I would imagine. Maybe you should, I don't know. But just keep that in mind. So anyway, that was added at the uh, afterwards, okay? So let's do a little review, and then we'll jump into some new stuff. Um, Ryan, do you mind reading a little bit? Is that okay? Uh, Matthew chapter 6, can you just read verse 9? Just verse 9. This then is how you should pray. That's good. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Good. Great job, Ryan. Um, okay, so this is what we covered last week. It was just this first verse. So we're just going to hop through this a little bit and then get into some new stuff. So the disciples are talking to him about prayer and Christ, his first words out of the gate. Pray then in this way. Or, or in Ryan's version, is that ESV, Ryan, or what you got? Yeah. ESV, yeah. It's, you're good. Oh, NIV? Okay. Just as good. No, nothing wrong with that. Um, it, it says, this then is how you should pray. So Christ, right off, right off the bat, we've got to understand this. Because um, you guys and, and my, my generation is what started, I think, kind of the worship equals freewheeling hippie generation. Like you just kind of do whatever you want to do. And however you approach the throne is how you approach the throne and that sort of thing. Does that make sense? 
Uh, some of that's okay, but a lot of that's not okay. Does that make sense? And Christ right out of the gate says, this is how you should pray, meaning there is a right way to pray. There is a right way to do this. Now, um, help me out. If there is a right way to pray, there is then by definition a wrong way, my theologians, a wrong way to pray. Now think about that. There's a wrong way to do this. And we, we gave the example last week of like a helicopter pilot. Like this idea of, you know, if you're about to ride in a helicopter and the pilot gets in and he's never flown a helicopter before. And he's like, I got it. All you got to do is get in the air. I got this. No, you really don't. I don't want you to be the guy. Does that make sense? I don't want you to be the guy. Just because you get the point doesn't mean you know how. Does that make sense? Just because you get the point. The point is, yes, the helicopter goes in the air. But there's a lot more to it than that. Is that fair to say? Um, and with prayer, well, you just tell God what's on your heart. And that's true. But just because you know the point doesn't mean you understand how. Christ, right out of the gate, says there is a way to do this. There is a model to follow after, okay? There's a way to do this that, that it will be good, that it will be fruitful, that it will feel right and helpful to you. Um, have you ever been praying? This is, this is insane. Have you ever been praying and you forget that you're praying? Does that make sense? Like you just kind of start rambling a little bit, like beside your bed or whatever, and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm praying. And then you like snap back into it. You know what I mean? Like you forgot, like you forgot that you're praying. Um, that's part of what this is. Like we do it, we do it the wrong way, and so it starts to spiral out of control. And I do this too. I do this all the time, right? So there's a right way to pray. Okay, keep that in mind. The next part, pray then in this way, our Father. Again, this is a little review, but our Father. And we talked about this last week. In prayer, you have to go to God as Father or it won't work. Okay? You have to go to God as Father. And this is so encouraging and so awesome. Now, that doesn't mean that it, you know, if you call God anything other than Father in prayer, it doesn't work. That's not the, the point is not the name. The point is you, the attitude of your heart. And we used the example last week of like... Um, you guys are in church mode right now, and that's okay. I wish it could stay that way forever, right? But then when you leave, you're going to shift into whatever other mode you're in when you go to that place. And then when you're home with your family or, or in front of your, your, your roommates who you see all the time, all those masks come off. Does that make sense? And you can finally unload about how angry you are or just sit and watch TV and eat ice cream and just sink into that. That's fine. That's, amen, right? That's fine. Um, <laughs> anyway, so, but like, who you are, like in front of your family, who you are, and, and family meaning biological or, or the person you're, you're dating or the person you're closest with, whoever you are in front of that person, that's who you are. Does that make sense? You're not, don't take this the wrong way, you're not you in front of me. Does that make sense? I'm not me totally in front of you. I'm the pastor. You're the, the churchgoer. You're my flock, right? That's the role we have, right? Yeah, you don't hear that in a lot of like college services, unfortunately. Um, but you see, but then when you're in front of the person that matters the most, all those masks come off, right? And we used the example last week of during, when you're suffering, like when it's really hit the fan in your life and you're praying, that's, is that not, to me at least, when you're, that's when your prayers are like the most intense and the most meaningful and the most, do you know why? It's because when you're suffering, all those masks are off, all that fake with God is off. You're not praying because you feel like you have to. Does that make sense? You're praying because it's time. You, I, I need you. I need you, man. I need you. You see how, that's, how much more 
real that is, your masks are off. He's your, he's your dad, finally. You see what I mean? And that when Christ says, our Father, you have to start in a real way or it's not going to work. Does that make sense? Um, it's, it's this idea of, of like, of just, of just being, okay, for a lot of you, I think one of the most honest prayers that you'll pray all semester is a prayer to God about how you really don't feel like praying. Because in that moment, you're fine. It's not like he doesn't know that. You know what I mean? Like, well, he seems honest. I don't think God's up there like, oh, she's doing good. No, he knows. He knows that you don't mean it. So why don't you just start there? Our, all right, so there's a right way to pray. We start with our Father, meaning the attitude of our heart is we have to start by being honest with God, honest with our Father, who are in heaven, hallowed be your name. So our Father is in heaven. Hallowed is this idea of worship. It's this idea of, of it matters, of, of he is worthy of our worship. And this is the last thing we touched on last week. Um, if you really look at this, this, um, this prayer, these few verses, 9 through 13, right? Only one of them is really about asking for something. It's, it's 11. Yeah, 11. Give us this day our daily bread. The rest is either, is either about asking for forgiveness. It's about asking him to guide. You see how that's not really asking for things? Does that make sense? You're not really give me, give me. Only one verse is about asking. The rest of it is, the whole first half is about worship. So Christ says, to, now follow this train of thought. He says, this is how you should pray. And the first half of it is about worship. That is never how my prayers go. Amen? Right? That's just not. My prayer, we talked about this last week, is like a grocery list. You know what I mean? Hey, God, here's what I need. Here's what I'm struggling with. Here's what I'm worried about. Please help me with this. Uh, oh, and forgive me, and thank you for something that I'm not really thankful for. In Jesus' name, amen. Right? That's how it goes. But, but the model that Christ gives us over half the, the, the section is praise. And this is, and this is just kind of taking a beat, but this is what I would challenge you guys with this week. Try it for a week. In your prayer time, be it, be it 10 minutes or 2 minutes or in the car before class or before bed or in the morning, whatever, or at lunchtime, spend over half the prayer in praise. Whether you're going through something terrible or whatever, spend over half the prayer in praise and then ask for what you need to ask for at the end. And watch how things begin to turn in your heart. Watch how it begins, you begin to understand that it, it starts to feel like this is what I should have been doing the whole time. It really does. And that takes work. Prayer takes work. That's why he says, pray then like this. I'm going to give you the way it is. It takes work because getting to know somebody takes work. Does that make sense? Learning about learning how to listen, learning what they like and don't like. And that takes time and work. And as you begin to lean in to talking to God like that, spending over half the time, because I know some of you guys, I know some of you guys are going through just mess right now. I, this is where, and I, I want to do it because I, I got, we got to move forward. But this cool thing that happens, I talked about it last week, at the end of the book of Job, God just kind of dresses Job down for the last three chapters and says, like, this is who I am. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Where were you when I split the sea? You know, all these things. He talks, God talks about how awesome he is. And you would think that that would just crush Job because all his family has died. I mean, the dude has been through this horrible ordeal. And God just, like, just lands on him. 
But in, in Job 42, the last chapter, verses 1 through 6, Job, he says, I repent. I, I've, I've only heard about you, but now I've seen you. He's worshiping. What the, how does this work? How can this be? But think about it in light of the Lord's Prayer. The Lord has only talked about worshiping God the whole time at the end of Job. And Job, his heart begins to heal. His heart starts to, he's lost everything. And he finally starts to worship God again. He wasn't worshiping when he was looking for an answer. When he was looking for a solution. When he was trying to back talk his friends. He wasn't, he was, his heart was not getting any, there's nothing wrong with that per se, but his heart's not getting any better in that suffering. Because we think when you're suffering, oh great Ryan, now I've got to worship God. Thanks for giving me something else that I have to do. But worshiping in suffering actually heals your heart in a way that getting the answer never will. Does that make sense? Worshiping God during suffering heals your heart in a way that getting the answer or the problem ending never will. And that's what God's trying to show Job, and that's what Jesus is showing us here. Regardless of your situation, when you pray, spend over half that prayer worshiping God. And watch what it does to your heart, okay? So that's what we did last week. That's kind of what we covered now. Some new stuff, all right? That new, new, all right? Here we go. Let's do some stuff. See how relevant I am and cool? Um, Okay, I'm glad my wife's not here because, like, the eye roll would start and whatever. All right, here we go. Um, let's do, Ryan, can I sit with you for a minute, ma'am? Can you do, um, just do 10 and 11. 10 and 11. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. All right, so then Jesus gets into this new stuff. Your kingdom come, your, whoop, he says, your will be done. All right? Your will be done. This is so important. Um, think about the fact that before we get so so give us this day is verse 11 your will be done is verse 10 so my will is verse 11 your will is verse 10 god's will comes before our will do you see that does that make sense it's it's a, it's this idea of um changing prayer part of prayer is changing your will to match God, I'm only going to ask you for something after I have made peace with the fact that your will is what needs to come first. Then I'm going to ask you for things. Do we not, we flip-flop that, right? This is what I want. This is what I need. This is what I'm concerned about. Lord, have your way in my life. And, and Christ kind of flips that over. Does that make sense? Instead of us asking for things first, we need to, you know, think about it. If, if, your family member is sick, or if there's no money, or if you're struggling with, with, with school or whatnot, going to the Lord in prayer, spending over half of it worshiping Him first, lifting up your heart into the throne, right? And then saying, you do what you want to do in this situation. Then you ask, give us this day our day. This is what I would like. You see, that? You see, how, you see the change? We don't pray like that. Nobody prays like that. Our heart doesn't want to pray like that. Matt Chandler says this. This is about the most money thing I've ever heard in my life. So are you guys familiar with Matt Chandler? Just slip a hand up a little bit. Some of you guys a little bit. Um, he's all over YouTube. He spoke at Passion this year. Phenomenal. He's about 40 years old. Um, so young by pastoral stuff, but, but brilliant. Uh, he got brain cancer in like 2010, uh, terminal. And he's been healed from it miraculously. Matt Chandler said this. During brain cancer... Comfort is the God of our generation. 
So suffering is seen as a problem to be solved and not as a providence from God. Comfort is the God of this generation. So suffering is seen as a problem to be solved, not as a providence from God. So remember, this, this spits right in the face of, Lord, give me, give me, give me, and then your will be done. What if in this suffering, thy will, what if things are happening? Tim Keller gives this great example. You are, our, our deepest problem is the sin in our lives. And the suffering in our lives, the pressure in our lives, is what God uses to turn us into a diamond. Does that make sense? To, to change that coal into a diamond. But we are this lump of coal with all this pressure on us. And we think our biggest problem is the pressure Get rid of this pressure. Get rid of this stress. Get rid of this suffering. Get rid of this. But the whole time, that's the very means that God is using to change us. So when we say, thy will be done, it's our way of of laying back and accepting the pressure that's changing us. You see that? You're changing your heart. You're putting yourself under his word. Whatever's going to happen, your will be done. Your will be done. Let this do its work in me. Let this change me. Let this have its full effect in me. Don't pull me out of the fire until it's had its purifying effect on me. That's where I I, I hear about guys who would come out of their prayer closets like exhausted or or tired. And and that makes no sense to me. But if you start praying like this, you know, mid-diagnosis, Mid-divorce, mid-financial struggle, mid-breakup, mid-depth, terrible season of singleness or the relationship's not what you thought it was, and you start praying, let this have its full effect. Uh, John Piper's church, a lot of people don't know, but they had this huge scandal in the mid-90s where a member of their staff had an inappropriate relationship. It was like an affair with another member of the staff. And the church, John Piper's church, lost like 350 members. And one of their prayers during their deacons' meetings was, let your punishment have its full effect on us. They didn't pray for it to end. Now, there's nothing wrong with saying, you know, Lord, this is, you know, even Christ said, let this cup pass, right? Then he says, not my will, but your will. There's nothing wrong with you know, saying, Lord, this hurts. It's all over the Psalms. This hurts. This is hard. I don't get it. But it's this heart of, of your will be done, and then I'll ask for what it needs. Tim Keller says this. This is also huge. If the meaning of your life is happiness and comfort, then suffering destroys the meaning of life for you. So if the meaning of your life is, is comfort, when anything comes in to mess up that comfort, the whole that's why you freak out. That's why you lose it in anxiety. Not because you're anxious, but because your God is being pulled away from you. That changes when it's thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then give us this day our daily bread. Um, Matthew 5, you don't have to turn there, but Matthew 5, 6 is uh, during the Beatitudes. And he says, blessed are those who thirst after righteousness, for they will be satisfied. They will be blessed. Did you notice how it doesn't say, blessed are those who want to be blessed, because they will be blessed. The only way you're going to get blessed is when you're not looking for it. It's this idea of as you hunger and thirst after righteousness, as you hunger and thirst after thy will be done, what does God say? You'll be blessed. Blessed are those who 
thirst for thy will be done. If you, so it's this idea, it's this crazy idea of I want this blessing, but I'm going to give up this blessing so that I can be closer to you. And now you get the blessing. Um, it's this idea of if you try to put give me before thy will, you'll get nothing. But if you put thy will first, you'll get both. You'll get his will and the blessing. Um, expecting perfection is inviting disappointment. Expecting perfection is inviting disappointment. If you expect perfection, if you expect your life to go super well and you get your daily bread all the time, you will only be disappointed because we live in a Genesis 3 world where disappointment is constant. Only when you put give me aside and reach after thy will, now life makes sense. Now you can frame it up. All right, we beat that to death. Um, here we go. The next part, here we go. Um, Ryan, can you do 12 and 13? And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And let us not, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Okay, good. Um, one more quick thing about give us this day our daily bread. Think about how interesting it is that he says, he says, thy will be done. And then he says, give us this day our daily bread. It's almost like they're together. What if, now think about it. Asking that God's will be done in your life is more important than asking for your deepest needs to be met. So it's like Jesus is telling us, what if his will being done in your life is the deepest need that needs to be met in your life? That's what he's saying here. Um, and this is on the second page, but it's this idea of um, health is our biggest need. But when our health is taken away, then all you're left with is thy will be done. And you find out that that fills you. Relationships are our deepest need. And in that terrible breakup, in that deep singleness, when our hearts are empty and painful, thy will be done is all you have left. And you find out that it fills your heart. This is why he puts thy will be done before. Jesus doesn't just put things there to put them there. This doesn't just happen to be the way he said them. Remember it says pray like this. He's putting it in order for a reason. The reason you need to pray thy will be done before you pray for the disease to be healed is because your deepest need is not health, which is so easy for us to sit here in church and oh, at, at, in our mid-20s. And oh, of course it's not, Ryan. But as that, you know, but with singleness or with, or with finances, have your will, have your way in my singleness. That's a hard prayer. Amen? That's a hard prayer. But when you can get down into the depths and act, now you see why these guys came out of their prayer closet sweating. Do you see that? Because this is hard. But when you dig down that deep, you find that thy will be done is all you need. Um, here's, here's where this is good. Give us this day our daily bread and then forgive us our trespasses. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven. Mine is past tense. As we have forgiven. King James is continuous as we forgive. It's okay. It's kind of the same thing. It's, just it's like um, on Sundays we played baseball. It's past tense and it's habitual. Does that make sense? It's just repeating past tense action. This is huge. Christ is assuming that when you come to God asking for forgiveness, you're not holding a grudge against other people. Does that make sense? Forgive us as we have forgiven those who owe us. And this is why this is important. 
If you go to God asking for forgiveness while simultaneously being unwilling to forgive someone else, it shows that you have no idea what you're asking for. Does that make sense? You're asking for something that you don't want to or understand how to give to someone else. You see how, you see how deep he's really asking us to go here? The power of uh, Steve Brown says, when someone punches you in the face and breaks your jaw and you forgive them for it, that forgiveness is not free. It has cost you your jaw. Does that make sense? Forgiveness is expensive. Forgive us our debts as... So this, and then in the Greek, it's this, it's this past tense habitual action. He is assuming that you have forgiven other people before you ask him to forgive you. Now, quick word here, because we're all, we're all working out our own sanctification, right? None of us are perfect in this. It's just not going to happen. Not on this side which is so cool, and, and we can talk about it later. But, um, but it's, an, it's the idea of this needs to be the status of your heart. You can't go to God with a grudge at the same time. If you're holding on to a grudge, you can't open your hands and worship. Does that make sense? That's, that's what's going on. Um, now, but you can go to God with a grudge and ask him, help me let this go. You see that? It's this idea of, you know, they, all, they talk about the, the, the don't pick the speck out of your brother's eye when you have a plank in your eye. We talk about this in Sunday school. It's always the plank in your eye, which means if it's between me and Zeb, there's a plank, there's a plank in my eye. It's just a speck in Zeb's. But if it's from Zeb's perspective, it's a plank in his eye and a speck in mine. It's always the reason that Jesus does it like that, the plank in your eye, is because your is the one that needs to be the bulk of your focus. You need to spend the most time on you. We don't do that. You spend 80% of your day talking about other people. Oh, and you have a porn habit, but we won't talk about it. Or, oh, and you gossip. Oh, and you're, you're unbiblical about this. But, but did you, can you believe what she said to me today? And you just focus on it. But Jesus, what did you just say? 80% of the time needs to be spent on you. And that's what he's talking about here is this idea of there needs to be this attitude of forgiveness in your life. It needs to be characterized by forgive, not that you're going to be perfect, not that you're never going to go to God with a grudge against someone else, but that better be the first thing that you talk about when you go to Him. Does that make sense? Be willing to let this go. Last one: um, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is important. It's a negative and a positive that mean the same thing. Lead us not, boo, negative, right? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. That's a positive. They mean the same thing. Here's why this is important. Why, if you're saying the same thing, why would you say it twice? You see what I'm saying? Um, lead us not into temptation. What if that was it? It's like he's asking us, it's like we're asking him, don't ever, it's like Jesus is saying, don't ever lead me into anything. Don't ever lead me into anything hard. Don't ever lead me into anything temp tempting. And not just like, the internet, but like stress in life where we're tempted to be, to respond in a non-godly way. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That means, now look at this, deliver us from evil. It doesn't say deliver us from this stressful situation. Deliver me from doing evil in that stressful situation. Because again, you're the coal. There's pressure on top. The pressure is not your biggest problem because lumps of coal can never enter into the kingdom of God. That's your biggest problem. So he's using this stress and this pressure to change your heart. 
So when you pray, deliver me from evil, you're really saying, in this stress, in this pain, in this pressure, keep me from defaming your name. Keep me, keep me, hold me, keep me. You see how already it's, it's changing. You're changing. You see how that's hard? You see how that's, that's work. That's the work. That's why we need books on prayer. That's why you got to pray in groups. That's why, because just reciting a list of give me, 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 that's not hard. And it's okay, again, give us this day of the day of the bread. It's okay to ask for things. But that's just one part of the verse. If you do it, if you count up all the words, it's like, it's like 18% of the prayer is that sentence, is asking for something. You ever got an 18 on a test? Amen? It's a, it's a low score, bro. Does that make sense? It's barely nothing, barely anything. It's like your name, right? Barely any, now follow this. A speck of this, barely any part of the prayer is asking for things. Now, listen, don't go out of here thinking, you know, Ryan said we're never supposed to ask for things and I'm just supposed to worship God. It's not because it's the right thing to do. It's because this is the method of prayer that Christ has taught us, which means this is the method of prayer that is best for your heart. You will come out of this prayer feeling better. Load lifted off of you. Temptation passed. Um, encouraged. I have never, there have been days where like I haven't wanted to pray. I have never prayed and then been like, pfft. Should never have done that. Like, it's never happened. Like, prayer is always helpful. Pray like this. So again, lead us not into temptation. It doesn't mean don't ever let us face anything. What he means is in deliver me from evil. It's okay to ask out of things. It's okay to ask for burdens to be lifted. But it's not okay if that's the focus of your whole thing. The focus of the whole thing needs to be Deliver me from the keep me from acting like a jerk here. Keep me from, from turning to porn for comfort here. Keep me from being rude to my neighbor here. Keep me from giving in to temptation here. And please, if it be your will, get me out of this altogether. Does that you see how that's different? You see how that's thy will first and then give us this day our daily bread? I college kids suck at quiet time. You guys are the worst, right? And I, I'm, I'm pretty close. It's okay. I challenge you this week. It's like five verses. Dig into the Lord's Prayer. Check out some of these books on Amazon. Watch Keller's YouTube clip. Prayer is, this is breathing, guys. This is so important. This is breathing. This is how important prayer is, all right? Let's go to him now as the band comes back up. 